Hi, everyone. Hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor. So glad that you um, have chosen to be with us. And a special welcome to those of you who are listening to our podcast online. Uh, when you came in today, you received notes. Uh, those uh, notes, will, you can follow along with the message today. Or if you'd prefer, uh, you can get one of your devices, tablet, phone, whatever. And uh, you can uh, um, join our uh, guest Wi-Fi. And you can go to our website. And the notes are located there as uh, well. And so uh, I'm so glad that each of you drove up today. Did you see all the um, yellow chalk that we threw out on the driveway? That's pretty cool, isn't it? I pressure washed my house this week. Yep, good choice. All the pollen just went whoop right on the house. Anyway, um, welcome to spring on Hilton Head. Hey, today we are in uh, week four of our series called Maximum Impact. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, it's fine. The words will be up on the screen today. Um, we got a lot of territory to cover in Scripture, and so uh, we've got a lot of verses that we will be looking through. We're in week four of this series called Maximum Impact, and this whole month of March here in 2014, um, I felt like God was leading us to talk about our church and God's um, best for our church and God's plan for our church in the late summer and fall of, of 2013, um, I began to just really search God and ask him for what's next for our church and what's the next thing that he wanted. And uh, he laid on my heart several things. Um, and a lot of what I've been communicating uh, in this series, Maximum Impact, is a kind of a result of me just asking God, what, what do you want? What do you want for our church in the next, really, as Cynthia said, seven to ten years? And um, so a lot of what you're going to hear today is kind of a fleshing out of that. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been here, to go back and listen to our podcast. It's real important, especially if you're part of the life of this church on a regular basis, to listen um, to what we're kind of in right now. It's kind of a, a real critical series uh, for you to be involved in. And one of the things that I talked about in week one, and Cynthia referenced, is this maximum impact, this My Impact card that many of you got in the mail and uh, many of you have received while you were here. And I want to encourage you, if you're part of the church family, to be praying about over the next week what you would do to be a part of Maximum Impact. Um, the, the immediate future for Maximum Impact and what God has for us as a church is a brand new preteen ministry called Ignite that we're going to be starting. And to do that, we've got to make way for them. And so that means um, our office area is going to be renovated uh, for a brand new room for Ignite, our preteen ministry. And uh, really, we're out of space and a lot of concepts over in um, Island Kids. And so we're going to be making a little more room. We're going to be um, uh, kind of doing a facelift to Island Kids, which is one thing that we wanted to do when we first moved in and we couldn't. And uh, our offices are going to eventually be relocated to the garage over there. Um, we call it the storage pit here on staff. And uh, so you all have a storage closet or maybe a junk drawer. That's our junk drawer is the garage. Um, so anyway, we'll clean it out and um, plan on renovating it to make room for our office space. And the whole thing is going to cost about $300,000. And so that's why we're asking you to be praying about what you would do to give towards that campaign. And Cynthia and I um, prayed through this, and we filled our card out this week and turned it in. And so I'm asking for everybody to pray about what you would do and bring these back next week. Uh, we're going to take the first 100000 roughly $100,000, and put it towards the Island Kid renovation because ministry is the priority. 
And then when 100% when of that comes in, we'll start work on that. When 100% of the next part, that 200,000 comes in, we'll start work on the office space. But ministry is a priority here, and so we want to be clear on that. So be praying about that, and I believe that God is going to allow us to meet that 100,000 goal by June 1st. And I believe that we'll meet the uh, whole goal by the end of the year. And uh, so we're real excited about the future on that. But I got to tell you, maximum impact isn't just about money and buildings. Some of you walked into church for the first time in a long time. You're like, great. He's talking about money is why I left church. And so I'm sorry about that. But uh, we're kind of in the middle of that. So I wanted to make mention of that. But it's not all about money and it's not all about buildings and so I want to share with you today what I believe God has laid on my heart as the pastor for us as a church to reach our community for Christ. And we're going to be taking a look at this passage from Acts chapter 10 to kind of use as a springboard for what I believe is the future for us here at Hilton Head Island Community Church in terms of maximizing our impact on our community. You know, it's been really neat because um, over the course of our seven years as a church, we've had moments where I feel like we've maximized our impact um, in our community. And then I feel like we've had times that we've kind of had a lull and kind of maybe relaxed a little bit. And I, I believe that God's got something greater for us in terms of making a dent in our community. And I think that we are, as a church are really poised um, to have the opportunity really to make a huge impact in terms of seeing many people come to know Him as their Savior. And last week, over the course of these last few weeks, we've been reminiscing a little bit. You've heard some different stories. You'll hear some today, um, and, and uh, you'll hear some next week. But last week, we had Pastor Jeff Cranston, who's the pastor of Lowcountry Community Church, in. And I want to encourage you to go listen to that message. It was a fantastic message that challenged us, and it challenged me as your pastor, um, that we don't need to stop in terms of our mission. We need to continue to move forward with our mission. It's our mission to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him. And we need to be all about that. We need to be all in on that. And we need to be a church with a purpose. Not just a bunch of place, not just a place where a bunch of people come to meet once a week. We need to be on purpose. And so I want to challenge that a little bit today and just have us take an introspective look on if we really are working with purpose. And in his message last week, Jeff walked through, it was a great message because he walked through the first 10 chapters of Acts in a half an hour. Um, well, he says it was a half an hour. It was really 40 minutes. So anyway, but he walked through the first 10 chapters and he stopped with Acts chapter 10. And I want to pick up today from where he left off last week because Acts chapter 10 is crucial in the story of the gospel. By the way, that word gospel is a word, fancy word that means good news of Jesus Christ moving forward. And Acts chapter 10 is a pivotal pivotal chapter in the picture of what God was doing in his sovereignty to advance that gospel. And you and I were a part of it today in 2013. That was the first century. Here we are, 2013, 2014. I'm a year behind. Uh, 2014, here we are in 2014, and we are part of what God is doing. So before we dive in, um, let's pray and let's ask God for his blessing on our time. Father God, thanks so much for all that you're doing in the life of our church, in the life of our community, I pray your blessing on our church. God, I pray that you would be with those who walked in today, um, particularly those who are Christ followers. I pray that they would be challenged. Um, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would pierce their hearts in terms of our mission as people and as a, an organization. 
And God, I pray that you would challenge us to a greater thing, that you would push us, that we wouldn't become complacent. God, that we would be people of action when it comes to you and your word. And God, I pray for those who walked in here today who maybe don't have a relationship with you or are confused about what it means to have a relationship with you. I pray that something that's said or sung today would lead them to you and that your Holy Spirit would call them out. And God, thank you for your word. I pray your blessing on it. And I pray that you would just pierce our hearts today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, Acts 10 is really the story about two men. There's a man named Peter. A lot of you may have heard of Peter. He was with Jesus. He's also called Simon Peter. He's with Jesus. You see him all throughout the Gospels, one of the first people that Jesus called to be one of his followers. And so the story is a little bit about Simon Peter, and he was a Jewish man who was a follower of Jesus, who became a Christ follower in those early days when Jesus was going about Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, and doing the work of the ministry. But this passage is also about a guy named Cornelius. Don't you love that name, Cornelius? Cornelius. And Cornelius was um, a Greek soldier, a centurion. And he was perhaps a centurion of some sort of acclaim. He probably had some, uh, at least, um, status in the Roman Empire. And he lived in a place called Caesarea. And so this story is about these two men and God's divine appointment for these two men to come together for the furthering of the gospel, the advancing of the gospel. And so we're going to pick up in this story where Cornelius has already had a dream that he needed to send some of his servants there in Caesarea down. And Caesarea was located right on the Mediterranean Sea right there in Israel. And he was instructed by God in a dream that he had to send for Simon Peter, who was located probably a couple hundred miles south in a place called Joppa, again, right on the Mediterranean Sea. And so let's pick up here in Acts chapter 10. Uh, We're going to be looking at verse 10, and we're going to walk through a lot of Acts 10 today to take a look at what God was doing to further the gospel. Peter now, all of a sudden, he begins to have a dream. Verse 10, and he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. This is like you go home, kids, and, you know, mom's fixing food, and you get tired, and you fall down and go to sleep while mom's fixing food. So Peter falls into a trance, and uh, something happens in the middle of this, verse 11. And he saw the heavens opened, and something like a great sheet descending down, led by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. Verse 13, and there came a voice to him that said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now let's stop for a moment here. Let's stop for a moment because this is an important passage. This is an important verse. Peter is a Jewish man who has become a Christ follower, but in this day and age, there were a lot of things changing in Judaism, especially for the group of people that had become Christ followers, followers of this rabbi by the name of Jesus. And one of the things that we know about Jewish people, especially in that day and age, that their whole purpose in life was to live according to the Jewish law. And probably the paramount part of the Jewish law was that they were not supposed to eat what? Meat. They were not supposed to eat meat. And so this man Peter falls asleep one day while food's being prepared. And God says, you're supposed to kill, go all duck dynasty, and you're supposed to eat some meat. And Peter's like, really? 
I've lived my whole life trying to obey the Jewish law. How is this even possible? Verse 14, take a look at verse 14. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common. That's what common people ate was meat. Jewish people didn't eat meat or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common or do not call unclean. This happened three times and the thing was taken up to heaven at once. Now, Peter was inwardly perplexed at this dream. I mean, he wakes up from this trance, his food's ready, and he's like, why did that happen? God told me to do something that I know that I'm not supposed to do. This is extraordinarily uncomfortable for me. Really, God? That's what I'm supposed to do? Let's continue to read in chapter 10, and we read that Cornelius, if we were to continue to read, we'd read that Cornelius' men went down to Joppa, just like Cornelius had dreamed, and they found this man who had this dream about eating this meat named Peter, and they took him to Cornelius' house. Take a look at verse 24. We skip down to verse 24. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. I mean, Peter's like, okay, God, you told me to go to this man's house, and I walk in, and he's got a house full of people. Can you say awkward? So he walks in, and there's those people there, 25, verse 25. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. The Roman soldier, this was during the days of the height of the Roman Empire, right? This Roman soldier, this centurion that probably had some sort of a claim, knelt down and bowed before a Jewish man. This was a very unusual thing that was happening here. Look at what Peter said. Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I am too a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. There were more people in this house that probably needed to be in this house. And he said to them, you yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Verse 29, please don't forget that. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Verse 29, I came without objection. I asked then, Cornelius, why did you send for me? And Cornelius said, verse 30, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me wearing bright clothes. All these dreams going on. Verse 31, and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I went for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Peter's like, I just was coming to your house because God told me, now you want me to talk to all these Roman people, all these Gentiles, people that I was, don't know and that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, that's what God said to do. So let's get going, Peter. Start talking. Look at verse 34. Skip down to verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and he said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. Okay, now get the picture here. Don't forget. Jews didn't really associate like this with Gentiles, especially Romans. 
and especially Romans of some sort of a claim. So Peter opened his mouth and he said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves, you know what happened, he says. You've heard what happened throughout all of Judea. They didn't live too far from Judea. Caesarea is not very far from Judea. Beginning from Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus' ministry began, after the baptism of John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he was about doing good and healing all of those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Look at verse 39. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death, talking about Jesus, by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not, only to, not to all the people, but to those of us who were chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Peter goes on to give the gospel message that God sent his son Jesus to die this death and to be raised again three days later. And all these Gentiles are hearing this. Look at verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed to God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, and here's where Peter really gets to it, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. I love these next two verses. Look at this. While Peter was still saying these things, he's like right in the middle of saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who had heard the word. And I love this next part. And the believers from among the circumcised, those Jewish followers who had converted to Christianity, who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Do you realize, are you getting the picture of what a pivotal, pivotal chapter this is that Luke wrote? It is so important. It is so key because for the first time, the gospel message was intended or was preached, I should say, and received by people who weren't Jewish. This was a pivotal, pivotal time in the advancement of the gospel. Up to this point, no one had become a Christ follower except those who were of Jewish descent, who converted to following Jesus Christ. And so we see in this passage that God's intent for the gospel wasn't just for a select few Please don't miss this, that God's intent for the gospel is for every man and woman to accept the truth of what he did by sending Jesus to die on a cross to save you from your sins so that you can have eternal life. And I love this passage because the first time it's preached to someone else. You see, in that moment, racial barriers were crumbled. In that moment, cultural barriers were crumbled. In that moment, religious barriers came down for the first time. And the gospel was preached and accepted by people who were of a whole different group of people. And I bet you Peter learned a lot through all that, didn't he? I mean, he learned a lot through all that. He was stretched in ways that were unimaginable to him before this time. I want to point out that I think that God challenged Peter in three different areas today. And I think this is for us as well. He challenged Peter, first of all, to get outside of his comfort zone. His comfort zone, what he knew, was a kosher diet. 
God challenged him to get out of that. He challenged him to get out of that, get out of your comfort zone. Secondly, he challenged him to think differently, to think about common and uncommon differently than he had before. He challenged, listen to this, he challenged Peter to think differently about everything religious that he knew of before. And the last thing he challenged him on is to take action. He said, when these men come for you, go. Don't hold back. And you see, God used the obedience of a man named Cornelius, a good Roman soldier, and a man named Peter, who was a Jewish Christ follower, to literally begin to change the world. And all of a sudden, in an instant, the gospel message began to spread into the Roman world, into the Roman Empire. It's a great story. If you're a historian, it's fantastic. But if you're a Christ follower, it's vitally important. And we need to be challenged as a church, I believe, to get out of our comfort zone, as Jeff talked about last week, to think differently about the world than maybe we do. Maybe some of you have had a pre-programmed religion, even if it's Christianity, in your mind. And maybe even some of that isn't really jive well with the gospel, with God's word. Maybe you need to think differently about the gospel and his word. And some of us just need to take action, don't we? Some of us just need to be challenged to take action. And that's where I want to spend the most the rest of today is on this idea of take, to take action. You see, I believe to maximize our impact in the community, we have to maybe change the way that we think. We have to change kind of our preconceived ideas. We have to get out of our comfort zone. But listen, church, we've got to take action. And there have been times that we've done this and done it well. But I want to challenge us to move to a whole new place in terms of reaching our community for the furtherance of the gospel. That's our job anyway, isn't it? It's our mission statement, which comes from the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. It was Craig Rochelle, the lead pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma City, who said, to reach people no one else is reaching, you must do things that no one else is doing. How many of you use version? How many of you use version on your computers, tablets, phones? Probably about half of you raise your hand. Craig Rochelle said, I don't want people of our modern day age with tablets and phones and computers to have any excuse to go without the word of God. So he and his church in Oklahoma City worked to create version. He did something that no one else was doing at the time. And he created version. That's the guy who said this. And he didn't say it randomly. Peter had the same experience. God said, I want you to do something that no one else is doing so that you can reach people that no one else is reaching. Well, what does it mean for us to maximize our impact on our community? Three things and a couple subpoints under each of them. Number one, we will be intentional about sharing the message of Jesus Christ in our community and in our world. We will be intentional about sharing the message of Jesus Christ in our community and in our world. Our purpose as a church, our mission as a church is to passionately, the first part of that mission is to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ. That means that we are intentional about sharing that. And to do that, we want to help you out because I realize that a lot of us are scared sometimes to do that. We don't know how. We don't have the tools to be able to share our faith and tell our stories to those people who don't know. And so one thing that we're going to do is we're going to equip you 
with the tools that are necessary for you to share your faith with others. You see, we want to equip our church to be able to accurately and effectively communicate one-on-one this gospel message. You see, the Great Commission wasn't just for the church. The Great Commission was also for you and for me individually to be about. And I must admit that sometimes because I'm not practicing it enough or because I don't know how to do it well enough, I miss opportunities to do that. I don't know about you. I don't want to miss any more opportunities to share a message that will keep someone from going to hell. I want to take advantage of that. And so we are going to have a series later in 2014 that we are going to help you, a message series that we are going to help you learn how to share your faith. And we're going to have a small group, a short-term small group, that life group that goes right along with that that you can dive into to learn how better to share your faith. It's interesting. Mark 16, 15 says this, and he said, Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That word proclaim means to herald loudly. <laughs> we are supposed to speak with our mouths the message of Jesus Christ. And so often we're so timid and so afraid to do that. I want to remove that barrier for our church And so we're going to work on that as a church. We're going to work on equipping you and me to share our faith. Secondly, in the gospel advancement, we will actively encourage all regular attenders and members to invite people who do not have a church home. Do you realize that we live in a county where 92% of people do not have a church home? 8% are churched, 92% are unchurched. And so part of sharing the gospel is you inviting people to come to Hilton Head Island Community Church where we will share the gospel regularly and regularly give people the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Savior. We have these invite cards that every week are back at our guest service desk. Kelly's back there today, and she can hook you up with some of these. Take as many as you want. We have them printed all the time. They've got our service times, our new service times, which is 11 o'clock, by the way, just in case you didn't know. So anyway, uh, 11 (laughs) o'clock, that wasn't an underhanded compliment at all. But anyway, our new service times are on here. You can get one of these. Cynthia mentioned we're going to be having one for Easter that's specific for Easter. We've got these. This is for backstage. This is for our students. Students, you can take these to some of your friends and invite them to the events that we have on Sunday night and on Wednesday night, the main event and the gig for high school and middle school. And you can be a part of bringing people here so that they can hear the gospel. And lastly, we will provide opportunities for regular attenders and members to go out in the world and to share the message of Jesus Christ through missions trip, global partners, initiatives, and even events that we have here on Hilton Head Island. And so I'm excited that we'll be doing that in the days to come. We'll give you opportunity to do that. You know, um, we have a global partner, the Navigators, um, Clint and Leanne Trebesh, who are in, in my hometown, Atlanta, Georgia, down, downtown in Georgia State. I'm going to ask Clint to come on up here and grab this mic here real quick. Why don't you guys give it up for Clint Trebesh? Thanks for joining me. First of all, before we get into what you, why you're here this week, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Navigators and what you guys are doing at Georgia State? Yeah, Todd, thanks a lot. This is so exciting for me because this is, I love this. I love what you're talking about <laughs> you here. Do, man. Yep. Uh, my family, my wife and I moved to Atlanta uh, nine months ago. We were in New Mexico at the University of New Mexico for six years before that. 
working with college students, helping college students know Jesus and learn how to follow Jesus and, and become leaders in their spheres of influence from that. And so we moved to Atlanta to start a new ministry at Georgia State downtown. How many of you have been in to, into downtown Atlanta? All right, a few of you. Yeah, Georgia State's in the heart of downtown Atlanta. And so uh, we're working with college students that on their way to class are stepping over homeless people. They're rubbing shoulders with, uh, you know, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies in downtown Atlanta and and tourists taking pictures. You know, it's just a wild world that 30,000 college students are in at Georgia State. And so we're excited. We're there to bring the gospel. It's awesome, man. Fantastic. Now, this is really neat because um, we've just this last year started partnering financially to help Clint and Leanne out. Every dollar that you give to the general fund here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, one dime of every dollar goes to our missions partners. And the navigators at Georgia State are a recipient of that. But here's what's really cool. Before we even had the opportunity to go downtown Atlanta, go Falcons and Braves, and um, serve you guys down at Georgia State and Georgia State. What's the mascot there? Panthers. Panthers. Somebody even said it back there. That's awesome. The Panthers. All right. So um, anyway, before we as a church had the opportunity to go to them and serve them, they came here this week and served our island and demonstrated a lot of this stuff. Tell us about what you guys That's did. That's right, yeah. And we got some pictures, I we think. We got some too. pictures. A little background. Uh, when, we, when we went there in, in August, we went with a team of uh, five other staff. We didn't know a single student on campus, and so we just started praying for open doors. And one of the things we started praying was out of Matthew 9. Uh, Matthew 9. <laughs> that was... They're laughing because of our reaction. Yeah. That was a cold I'm a, baptism, I'm going to tell you a little bit he more about ba- that. He got baptized last week. So I anyway, did. Yeah. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. We started praying uh, through Matthew 9, 35 through 38. It says, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Mm. And so we went to this campus, Georgia State, and we said, Lord, would you give us access to this plentiful harvest? These college students that are going to be leaders, business leaders, uh, community leaders, church leaders, political leaders in the South. Atlanta is the hub of the South. And so would you give us access to these students and help us to make them into laborers for the kingdom that will bring the gospel wherever they're going. And so we went in, and God gave us tremendous favor with students. And so we brought a group of 12 students plus our staff to Hilton Head this week. One of the girls on the trip, uh, before we left, she said, hey, isn't Hilton Head a retirement community? And I said, <laughs> I said no, next year we're going to Sun City, and, and I'll show you what that's like. And so, uh, no, I'm kidding. But, but they... Most of them had never been here. Some of them had never been to the beach before. And so we came and we had three things in mind. We wanted these students to meet Jesus in a deeper way. We wanted them to grow together in community and relationships. And we wanted to, we wanted to build some momentum moving forward so that when we go back to campus, these students are fired up to bring others in and to share their faith and to learn how to do that. And so this week we came, we spent some time on the beach Todd baptized me. I became a believer 12 years ago, but wasn't in a church that emphasized it. And so uh, I said, enough's enough. I need to get baptized. And so I said, who's crazy enough to jump in the ocean and do it with me? So Todd. uh, My toes are still falling out, man. Yeah. Ooh, wow. Uh, So I finally did it. Finally made the plunge. That's awesome, uh, awesome, man. Really cool. Yeah, so we had an incredible week. We served at Deep Well. We served at another church off the island. Um, And the, the trip really wouldn't have been possible without the support 
of this church, this community, uh, so many families. We had several families here in the community that opened their homes, that hosted us, fed us. It was tremendous. And we have an incredibly diverse group. Um, several of these students said, I met Jesus this week. So our prayer, awesome. our, one of our prayers was answered for That's sure. Cool. That's awesome. One girl who wasn't a believer said she, she really came to know Jesus on this trip. Awesome. These other students all said, I, I can't wait to get back to campus and to bring my friends into yeah. this, into what's going That's on. Awesome, man. We're so excited about what you're doing, man. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it, man. I think one of the really neat things about what they're doing is they were evangelizing. They, they were telling kids at Georgia State, students at Georgia State, about the gospel, and then these kids come here to share the gospel here in our community. That's a great picture, Clint, and a fantastic example to us as a church. And man, I want to thank you, and we're so excited about our partnership in the future. And um, Clint's actually, I've learned a lot about evangelism from Clint, and so when we have our series, our message series on evangelism, I'm going to ask him to share one of those weeks, and so you'll hear more about that in the days to come. The second thing that I want us to do to maximize our impact in the community, not only for the advancement of the gospel, but the second thing is we'll take ownership of the physical needs in our community and our world. Listen, Jesus reached people first and foremost through physical needs, didn't he? He turned water into wine at a wedding where they ran out of wine. And God forbid you run out of wine at a wedding. So he, he fed 5,000 people, and it was really probably double that or maybe even triple that. And so Jesus met. He healed people. He provided a, a woman at a well uh, with water. Um, but then he turned that and talked about living water. And so before we meet the spiritual needs of our community, I think that we have to meet the physical needs of our community. And so we'll sponsor churchwide projects like Operation Christmas Child and Big Give uh, December and Serve Day and 30 projects in 30 days. Um, we are having uh, actually a Serve Day coming up. And I'm going to ask Carrie Beck, our One Community Director. Um, she is our volunteer One Community Director. Why don't you give it up for Carrie Beck? <laughs> Carrie. You have been working. <laughs> you've been working hard over the past few months on Serve Day, which is coming up, and it's Serve Day is April sixth, Sunday, ten o'clock. One service right here in this room. One service that day. If you come at eleven fifteen, you'll have missed it. Okay, so we're having a rally, but we're going to have some projects leading up to that Sunday and on that Sunday. Tell us a little bit about some of these projects. Sure. So um, for our April 6th Serve Day, we went to our partners, our community partners that we established relationships last year doing our 30 projects in 30 days and that we've continued to help throughout the year. And they were just very responsive. They really appreciate our efforts to serve them and also to serve the clients because many of them are, are in our community, so they know the needs. So we have um, projects that you can sign up for back at guest services. And they range. We were doing um, the soup kitchen on Friday, April the 4th yes. for St. Andrews. We're doing painting um, people's apartments. We're actually painting second helpings. And that's a fun story because when I made contact with her, she was actually looking for a church to do something. So mm. it, was, wow. it was divine, you know, that's that we awesome. were able to serve, um, meet a need for her. It's fantastic. And you can actually go to our website, um, Hilton Head Island CC slash one dash community to find out more about these partners that Carrie's done an incredible job of establishing. Now I'll talk about life groups in a moment because 
Those of you who are in a life group, you're going to be serving together as a group. Talk about that in a moment. But you mentioned, um, I think they can go back and visit Kelly back at our guest service desk to yeah, sign up. There's sign up sheets back there. And um, just so y'all also know that this is just a sampling of what is still in the community. There will be more things that we'll post on the website, as Todd just mentioned, um, throughout the year as more opportunities come available because we are uh, expanding to our reach of, of where you all can individually find something that you, you love and that you want to serve and so that's a good resource for you. Carrie, you're doing such a great job on being our representative of the community. Thank you so much for doing that. So we'll have times that we sponsor large church-wide events where you can get involved, but I got to tell you, if that's all we do, if all we do is like once a quarter or once um, every few months do a church-wide thing, I think we've missed it. And so I want you to see these other two things. Um, we will require that all life groups moving forward have an ongoing ministry that they've adopted. And that's something I'm going to be meeting with the life group leaders at the end of, um, in May, um, kind of at the end of this semester. And as we head towards the fall, um, we are going to be having every life group adopt a ministry or a family or a need in our community. Um, I, I hate that I never served in our U.S. Armed Forces, one of my great regrets in life. But I do know something, because I know a lot of you who did serve, um, is when there is a project, when there's a task, when there's a mission to be done, you don't throw a bunch of people together who don't know each other to do a mission. You serve in units of people who already know each other. And I really believe that God gave me a vision this year for having our life groups be those units that go serve our world and our community together. And so I'm excited about that. And then lastly is our individual responsibility. We will encourage regular tenders to have an ongoing or uh, regular tenders and members to be on mission by identifying physical needs around them. Here's what I want you to hear. You don't have to have my permission or the permission of Hilton Head Island Community Church to serve when you see a need. When you see a need in your neighborhood or students, when you see a need at school or if you see a need in your workplace, serve, help out, be a part of it. And so it's church-wide. It's at a smaller level with life groups, but it's individual. If we can get that concept of serving in the large group, in the medium group, in the small group, we can have a huge impact for Christ on our island. And finally, point number three, not only are we about advancement of the gospel, not only do we need to be about serving our community, but we will be bold and progressive in our approach to reaching the unchurched on Hilton Head Island. We will be bold and progressive in terms of our approach of reaching the unchurched on Hilton Head Island. You know, if all we do is just serve our community, then we are just another social justice organization. But we're a church. We're the bride of Christ with a mission that is specific and intentional. And so we need to reach out and we need to reach those and bring those people with us who don't have a church home. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of them out there in our community. And so we will be bold and progressive in our approach to reaching the unchurched of Hilton Head Island. First of all, we'll serve the island with intentionality and boldness. I have a lot of people, and pastors have this at any church, a lot of people are like, hey, I got a good idea. I get the I got a good idea email and voicemail and conversation a lot, which is awesome. I, I want you to have ideas. But we have to say no to a lot of ideas that don't fall in line with our mission as a church. Do you get that? 
We have to say no to those things that are outside the mission of passionately sharing the message of Jesus Christ and leading people to follow him. And so we need to be intentional and we need to be bold. Secondly, we will encourage regular tenders and members to alter their priorities to make room for serving as a lifestyle. Listen, as your pastor, I'm going to always challenge you to get outside of your comfort zone to think differently and to take action. I'm going to always challenge you to change the way that you think about life and your schedule and your work and your sports and all the above, which we all have them, including the Cullens. I want us to be challenged to change the way that we think so that we have margin to be able to serve. And finally, we'll explore unconventional ways, this is more on a church level, to engage the unchurched in the life of Hilton Head Island Community Church. We'll explore unconventional ways to engage the unchurched. One of the things that you've heard me talk about before, um, if you've been with us any length of time, is this whole idea of the crowd of people that can't come on Sunday mornings. And there's a lot of them in our community. Whether they've worked late or into the early morning the night before, or whether they have a job that takes them away from here on Sunday morning, uh, they can't get to church, or perhaps they don't want to come to church on a Sunday morning. I believe that's our next service, is a third service that takes place sometime not on Sunday morning. And we're talking about doing a night church for those who night works better for them. And so I want to I encourage you, if you want to be a part of that, we're beginning to create a list of people who want to help us with night church and reaching a whole community and having another alternative service that they can come to at a different time on a different day so that we can impact our community for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to be a part of that, just write night church down on your little form, your little communication connection card that you have, and you can turn that in, and we are creating a database for that. To reach people no one else is reaching, you have to do things that no one else is doing. In Hilton Head Island Community Church, I believe that we have a window of opportunity that we can do that with. But I don't believe we're yet maximizing our potential there. I don't think we're yet maximizing our impact on reaching our community. But we can. And we must. If not, who? And if not now, when are we going to go and reach our community for Christ? And so I want to challenge you today, those of you who are part of our church, and I realize this isn't for those of you who walked in here for the first time, but if you're a part of our church, if you're a regular part of what we're doing, I want to ask you to get outside of your comfort zone. I want to ask you to think differently. And I want to ask you to take action in your life, in your life group, and in your church. Take action so that we can have an impact, the maximum impact that we can on our community. Father God, thank you so much for the story of redemption, for the story of making an exchange, for just living life as usual, for a powerful life with you. And God, we thank you that your gospel, your good news, included you sending your son Jesus to this earth to die a brutal death on a cross, for three days later to rise again and defeat death. And God, we thank you for those who are gathered in here who at one point in their time prayed a prayer and said, yes, I believe 
in Jesus. And God, right now in the strong name of Jesus, I want to pray for those who walked in here today and they haven't yet. I pray that today is the day that they accept you as their Savior. So if you're here today and you've never accepted that good news, you've never put your trust or your faith or your belief that you can have eternal life with God one day when you die because of what Jesus did on the cross, I want to challenge you and invite you to accept him as your Savior today. Don't let another day go by without saying yes to Jesus. And I'm going to pray a prayer out loud and you can follow silently. And this prayer, not the words, but the intent of your heart, is a prayer that will help you understand what it means to become a Christ follower. It goes like this. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And God, today I confess that I'm a sinner and that my sin keeps me from you, God. And today I accept you, Jesus, as my personal Savior. If you're in here in this room and you prayed that prayer with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Slip up your hand if you prayed that prayer in this room. Amen. I see you. On my right, your left, anyone over on the left side of the room? How about on the right side of the room? My left, your right. Anyone in here pray that prayer? I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I want those of you who prayed that prayer just to look up for a moment. Just look up at me for a moment that form, I want to encourage you to mark off that box that says that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior so that we can be praying for you and we can follow up and give you some tools, okay? God, thank you for those who said yes today in the first service and in the second service. God, I thank you for redemption. I thank you for salvation that we can have through your Son. God, I pray that we as a church would be serious about that and that we would maximize our impact in the community by being bold, by being intentional. God, help us in our personal lives and as a church to get outside of our comfort zone. Help us to think differently. And God, help us to be people of action. In Jesus' name I pray.